Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, so we've been in a series called Beautiful Attitudes. And um, this series is all based on the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount that is found in Matthew chapter four or uh, four, five, and no, five, six, and seven. All right. And, um, and I encourage you to be reading these as we kind of go along. But in the first week, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. And um, if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it online. Or go ahead and, and, um, and go to our Connect Center and they'll go ahead and give you a copy of that. But, but you're going to want to you know, grab a hold of that. And then last week we talked about blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Now, can I just be open and honest with you just for a moment? Last week's message, I thought I just absolutely blew it. I kind of went into it thinking, man, this is such a tough topic You know what I mean? To teach on, to speak on. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Kind of hard to make it sizzle, you know, when you're talking about mourning. And so I kind of left the platform last week just as I do most times. It's like, Lord, you're just going to really have to make up make up the difference here. I don't really feel like I connected. I don't know if my points were right and well. And do you know this, that it's just like God God brought me several people and several people connected with me throughout the week last week and said, wow, that message just really ministered to me. And I really, I I really felt it was, it was heartfelt. And so I just want you to know that God is looking more for willingness for you to do what he's called you to do than he is waiting for you to get ready to do what he's called you to do. Amen. And uh, it's amazing what God can do to make up the difference. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, today is another one of those messages. Today, we're going to talk about meekness, meekness, and I titled the message, Meekness is Not Weakness, but I want you to know this, that there's power in this word, this characteristic called meekness that can change your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, it'll change your life. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it'll change your life. It's funny to me how the Beatitudes, for those of you and many of you have studied it a lot more than I have, but the Beatitudes, people approach the Beatitudes, these beautiful attitudes, like multiple choice. They're like, I'll take two, four, and six. Don't want to have anything to do with one, three, and five, you know? And, 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 and it's, it's not like spiritual gifts where everybody, they don't possess the same spiritual gifts. You might... You might have one person that has this gift and another person doesn't have any, anything to do with that gift. But I do believe even with spiritual gifts, you can desire different gifts, right? But the Beatitudes are not like spiritual gifts. It's not like you can read the Beatitudes and say, no, that, that one's not for me. No, that one. These Beatitudes, these beautiful attitudes are for every single person. Somebody say every single person. That is a Christ follower. And so meekness is in your wheelhouse. 
It is for you. It's not, it's not something that, 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 that you just, you know what I mean? You're just going to, man, I wish I had taken today off and come back and found out what next week's was all about. This message is for you and it's for me. Let's go ahead and pray. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, we come before you and we need you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is filled with life and truth. God, speak to us this morning and give us an anointing and the ability to walk by faith in this world that we are living in. Help our lives to matter and count, not only for ourselves, but also for others. Use our lives, for they belong to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Awesome. So today we're going to talk, and we're going to read a lot of word. Somebody say a lot of word. How many of you know that the word of God is what can change a life? You can try everything else, and nothing happened. Go to the finest of counselors. You know what I mean? Go to the best psychiatrists, and God bless counselors and psychiatry, and, and you can get the you know, the most up-to-date medication, but I'm telling you that the Word of God, come on, can change your life. When everything else has failed you, the Word of God, come on, will never fail you. Come on, the Word can do what nothing else can do. So turn to Matthew 5, chapter 1. We're going to go through our key scripture for this series. Matthew 5, chapter 1, it says this, Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on top of a mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he began to teach his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This was week one. I encourage you to listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet. And then he said, Blessed are those who mourn, which was last week's, for they will be comforted. There's something powerful that takes place when we, when we mourn, right? We were talking about in our pre-service meeting today about how men and even some women don't feel like you can cry in front of other people. How many of you know that Jesus, being our perfect example, he wept, Right? He wept when, when, you know, with Lazarus. And then also, I believe he wept when he was looking over Jerusalem as well. And, and he said, how often would I have gathered you to myself as a hen does her chicks? And so he was, he was heartbroken and he wept. And men, it's okay for you to show emotion. In fact, there's healing and emotion. You don't have to act so tough all the time, Right. Don't be no sissy la-la, but don't act tough all the time, okay? All right, so it goes on to say, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be com comforted. And then blessed are the meek, which is today's message, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. So there's an inheritance. Somebody say an inheritance, there is an inheritance that is attached to this thing called meekness, and the inheritance is that they shall inherit the earth. So we, we, we have really broken this down that the Greek word for blessed is the word makarios, and makarios simply means 
happy or happily. So happy are the people that possess these, these qualities, and then there's a benefit or a blessing that comes from it. I've, I've shared with you, and not to, not to go over everything again and again and again, but this happiness that, that God has for us is not based on happenings. It's not based on I'm happy because good things have happened to me. It's not based on circumstances, like good circumstances taking place in your life. Man, I went to the store. I don't do this, but I just, I'm just using this as an example. I went to the gas station, and I got me one of them scratch tickets. Once again, I don't play lottery. Just, uh, but I got me one of them scratch tickets, and I scratched it off. And man, I, got, I, I won 50 bucks. I'm $50 wealthier today than I was yesterday and so so what am i i am happy why because my circumstances are such that i've got 50 more dollars in my pocket today than i had yesterday well listen if if you're what's that 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 quick i needed that 50 bucks because that's how much more it cost me to fill up my tank today that was good that was really good that was good and so, and so if happiness is based on your circumstances, then when your circumstances shift and they change, right, then, then, then our happiness goes away. And so I just want you to know that that's not this word. This word is an internal joy, an internal happiness that, that takes place when we walk with the eternal God. Come on, the one true living God, amen? And it can be produced any, any other way. And so I want us to know this, that I realize that meek, the word meek is not popular. Meekness is not popular, but it is important. And the word meek is a Jesus term. In fact, he uses this word meek to describe himself. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 says this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. You know what this word means? Come to me, you who are working so much and you're, you're heavy laden. Come on, there's so much that's put on you that you feel like you're going under. There's so much put on you that you feel like you're sinking. Have you ever been in a position or a place like this before? Man, I sure have. I'm like, man, I don't think I can handle one more thing. I can't handle one more bit of advice. And, and, and boy, if I do, I just don't know. And so Jesus is saying, when this happens, come to me. And there's a benefit that we receive by coming to Jesus. The benefit is, as he says, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. How many of you know that there's a rest that sleep cannot provide and produce? Thank God for good sleep, right? But there is a rest, a supernatural rest that also comes from walking with the Lord. And then Jesus says, take upon me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke is, when you yoke two animals together, they work together. So he's like, listen, I got the yoke. I brought the yoke. You just put your head in the hole right next to me. And as we, as we walk through life and as we learn and we work through life, then I want you to do something. I want you to pay attention to me. You know, I was in the Marine Corps. Most of you know that. Once a Marine, always a Marine. 
After boot camp, I went to SOI, which is School of Infantry, and I went to Marine Combat Training after, after that. Actually, they were flipped. Marine Combat Training, then School of Infantry. And so they would teach us how to maneuver in the Marine Corps. And we would, we would, we would learn how to patrol uh, all kinds of different environments, jungle being one of them. But even the training that we received on being on control, how many of you patrol, you, you cannot remanufacture a jungle in California. <laughs> you, you just can't do it. So my first duty station was the Philippines, triple canopy jungle, thick brush, bush, come on, hangers that would just get, get tied around your boots and whatnot, and you would just be stuck. They, they issue you machetes. And so you're supposed to, and, and our, our job was to patrol the, na- the jungle around the naval magazine because there was a, a radical Muslim group called the New People's Army. The boy, if they got their hands on those munitions, it would just have been terrible. So we, we had gone through the training. We had gone through, listen, I went through training in MCRD San Diego. I went through training in Camp Pendleton, California, Marine Combat Training. Hoorah! Come on, I went through school of infantry, ha, ha. And then I show up in the jungle of the Philippines. And you know who gave us expert training? These little Filipinos. <laughs> These tiny little men. And literally, they were, they were bushmen. They literally, when I say little, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not talking about all Filipinos. I'm talking about these, and they call them negritos because they are darker than the rest of all the Filipinos. And these, these are the men that helped us in the wars. These are the men that, 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 that know how to fight because they know how to maneuver. Come on, I'm telling you, you'd be in the jungle on patrol. Next thing you know, and thank God they were on our side They'd just be walking right along. You wouldn't even know they were there. These are the ones that taught us. And so Jesus is saying, listen, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, you may have had some training, but learn from me, right? Watch me, follow me, do what I do, because what I do is better than anything that you've ever had before. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus gives rest when we take on his meekness. I found this, that the angriest people are sometimes the weariest people. The angriest people the people filled with most anxiety, man, they're just highly strung. You show me a person that is strung tight, and I'll show you a person that probably deals with insomnia, the inability to get good, solid sleep at night. The person that is, that is celebrating the fact that I only need two hours of sleep to do what I do. Man, I'm telling you, that's going to catch up with you, even if it's working for you right now. Matthew chapter 19 talks about the rich young ruler. And man, I want you to know this, that this rich young ruler had it all. Come on, he had all the influence. He probably had all the swag and all the popularity. 
He was well-known. He was well-liked. And so there was something in the heart of this young man that was wealthy that came to Jesus one day, and he says, listen, what must I do to go to heaven? He was saying, what must I do to follow you? And Jesus says, oh, man, that's, that's easy. He says, he says, and he starts talking to him about the commandments, right? And, and the answer that the rich young ruler gives Jesus, oh, well, this is, one, this is a good day. This is a good day. He said, let me, let me just go get my stuff. I'm ready to follow you. Let me go get my stuff because I've been keeping those commandments since I was a child. And as the guy's walking away to go get his stuff, Jesus says, oh, wait, wait, there's, I'm so, uh, there's one more thing. Let's talk about your surrender. Let's talk about your surrender. Let's talk about your ability Come on, to surrender all that you have. And can you imagine the disciples up to this point, man? They're excited because finally somebody can finance some Red Robin. Instead of, instead of this, this bread and all this stuff we've been, you know, finally we've got somebody with some pole that's going to be around here and finance some of this work that we've been wanting to do. But when Jesus said, let's talk about your surrender, the guy was brought to a place where he was like, no, I can't. What was the surrender? Go sell all that you possess and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And then when the guy, when the guy walks away sad, because that's what the Bible says, he's like, he's like, I can just head droop low, probably came in there a little puffed up, you know, hey, what is it? And then this is how he left just kind of dragging his feet. And so Jesus, as the man was leaving, turns to his disciples in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 30. This is what he says to his disciples right after this happens. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The first will be last, and the last will be first. You know what meekness is? Being last. Come on, there's got to come a time in your life, in my life, where we stop fighting. Come on, to be first. We stop fighting, you know what I mean, to get ahead. We stop fighting to stick up for ourselves in every little conversation that we shouldn't even be entered into in the first place. Right? Not popular. I've never seen that on somebody's refrigerator. But the first will be last, and the last will be first. Never seen that quoted. What do you, what, how's your day, man? Just working on being last. Just working on being last. Just doing my best to come in dead last. Dead last. That's what I'm shooting for. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. But in a different translation, this is the living Bible. I just like how it sounds. It says this, the meek and lowly are fortunate. Why are they fortunate? Because the whole wide world belongs to them. I thought the whole wide world belonged to the powerful. I thought the whole wide world, come on, belonged to the crafty. I thought the liar owned the whole wide world. I thought the one that did kind of shady business, he possessed, you know, the world. I, I thought that these people are the ones that, that, that get the word. He, Jesus is like, not in my world. That might be the way it looks, but I'm telling you, they're missing something. I thought the cruel and the selfish get the whole wide world. Not in my world. 
The world belongs to the meek and the humble. We're going to unpack that some more here in a minute. Matthew 5, 5 in the message. And, I, and some of you just, you just cringe whenever. I, but just listen to it and go back to the King James Version if you want to. The message says it in such a powerful way to me, a way that I can really understand it. And the message isn't my go-to version, just so you know, but listen to it. It says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. And then it says, no more, no less. So when you come to the Lord and you're like, here I am, I know it's not all fancy, but I'm not going to try to make it look better than what it is. Here I am. Here's my time. Here's my talent. Here's my resource. God, I know it's not much, but I read about a couple of fish and some loaves that you were able to do. Here I am. Here's my personality. I've been working on it, but it's not always the greatest. Here I am. I'm not trying to add to it, and I'm not trying to take away from it. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. And then it says that is the moment that you find yourself proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. How many of you know that there's some things in this world that you desire to possess, but money cannot buy them? Right? You cannot buy peace. You cannot buy peace. In fact, you think that peace comes when you have an overabundance or enough. What I have found is people that have an overabundance of enough or they've, they've somehow achieved a position in life, they don't have peace. You know why? Because they're trying to retain the position that they have because the next guy is right behind them trying to take what it is that they have. No peace, no rest Come on, you can't buy love. Some people try to buy love, wrong kind of love. That's eros, and that's not agape. It's not phileo, it's eros, and that's not love. That's a moment that is filled with tons of regret. People try to buy position. You can't buy, well, you can buy position. People try to buy influence, but listen, it, it, it's only as, it only goes as far as the dollars that you have. And guess what? At the end of the day, it's not worth anything. Right. Kingdom culture is always counterculture. There's such a paradox. The first will be last. What kind of sense does that make? To grow, you give. Right? The greatest is the servant. To live... You have to die? All of these are kingdom principles. And if you try to live with, with earthly culture in a kingdom, it doesn't work. And this is why, and I'm just, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I'm just going to talk about it. This is why there's two things that God showed me a long time ago that is rubber meets the road principles that most people struggle with what do you hear when, the, when well, you, you know what I don't, I don't believe in that organized religion all they want is your money why well, I, I you know and another one is fasting you ask somebody to go without eating for a period of time it's a spiritual principle that brings life and health and and it grows a person more than Almost anything else when you fast and pray and read God's word, but yet we fight against it because our body, our flesh is saying, no, I've got to eat. 
No, that's my money. I worked so hard for it. Those two things will show you just how much you trust in the Lord. That's all I'm going to say, because this is Super Sunday. We want you to leave happy. <laughs> just like Jason, this is Super Sunday. We want you to leave super. So meekness is not a now word. I, was, I, did, a, I did a definition surf on, on Google, and, and it showed actually a bell curve which was kind of interesting, and it was only the last couple hundred years, but in the 1800s, meekness was used all the time. Like, it was high. It was, it was a common word. It seems like 1901 hit, and it just dropped off. Like, in the 1900s, it's a word. This is why it's, it was so difficult for me to, to really wrap my mind around even this concept of talking about such a topic, because it's not a word that we use but why talk meekness when you can talk greatness? Why talk meekness when you, can, when you can talk about so many other things? Because it's an important word to talk about. Meekness is most misunderstood. So get rid of the definition that you find in, in Webster's Dictionary. And, and you've got to do some fact-checking. Who in the Bible is talked about that is meek? Number one, Moses, the Bible says he was the meekest in all the earth. Meekest in all the earth. Well, what did Moses do? Come on, Moses was a deliverer. Even though he had some, some you know, he had some issues to, you know, to kind of personally work through. Come on, Moses was used to part the seas and for, for God's people to walk over on dry ground, right? Moses was a warrior, Come on, he was used to defeat the, 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 the strongest army on the planet at the time. That's who Moses was, but he was meekest. He was one of the meekest men of all the earth. Isaiah, Isaiah addressed an idolatrous nation. Easily could have just destroyed him and killed him. Not, not this case because God was with him. He addressed, boldly addressed an idolatrous nation and said, listen, man, you are wicked and you got to turn from your, you got to turn, you're bound in sin and you're going the wrong direction, right? And then we've got the greatest man that has ever walked on the planet Earth. You know, Jesus doesn't talk a lot about himself, he doesn't, he doesn't like, he doesn't, he's not in the, in the limelight saying, let me tell you about all the great qualities I have. But do you know that this one thing Jesus says about himself, I am meek. He says this about himself, I am meek. Now was Jesus weak? No. Come on, at any time he could have called legions of angels, come on, to deliver him even from the cross in any other situation he was he was facing, so fact-checking this meekness is not weakness. None of these men were doormats. None of these men were cowards. None of these men were lazy, but they were meek. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is submitted power. Do you know what meekness is? Meekness is the fifth-degree black belt that some knucklehead that's been drinking too much tries to pick a fight with this, this guy that could probably just spin your head off with his foot. And the, the fifth degree black belt walks away from the situation when he could have destroyed the man that was coming against him. 
That's what meekness is. It's power under control. Meekness is a thoroughbred racehorse. Come on, what are they? They're trained, they're disciplined, and they're, and they're ready. A racehorse is under the control of the master. That's what meekness is, being under control of the master. It's not a pony. Come on, I had a Welsh pony growing up, and that Welsh pony was fast. His name was Morsey the Horsey. Now I would run him against stallions and thoroughbreds. And he'd win sometimes. So. But, but this isn't a pony. This isn't a little tiny horse. This isn't a 22-year-old, you know, swayed back mare that's, that's never gotten out of the corral before. Come on, this is a thoroughbred. This is a quarter horse. This is a race horse. This is power. This is muscle. This is, this is speed. Sea biscuit. Thank you, Matthew. But yet, this horse with all of this power is broken. Think about it. There are some of you that probably have broke horses in the past, meaning train them. You know, get them to a point in a place where you can control them. And so once again, this racehorse is valuable because it's under the control of the master, the, the, the master and the, and the reins that, that are around it. In fact, I would say this, that a tame horse is more powerful than a wild horse. A wild horse is beaten up and destroying every single thing it comes into contact with. A wild horse is not under control and oftentimes goes down early in life because of injury. It's just wild. But a tame horse, come on, it is more valuable to the master. Why? Because it brings more value back to the master. And I'm just telling you that the word of God trains us and the Holy Spirit tames us. And it's only in this place where we submit ourselves to the Lord. We allow the Lord to break us to break the flesh off of us that we become that we become purposeful we become valuable we're you're valuable even in your sin but he said now listen i can i can use that person how can i use that person to reach other people amen he wants to do a work in you that is different than how he found you some people believe that that meekness I was like, Adam, I told Adam, I was like, don't lose my feather. I don't know if you can see this little thing here. Watch. Can you see it? Watch, watch. Somebody lay on their back and blow it up back at me. No, no, I'm just totally joking. No. Some people think that this Christian life is, I'm a feather. I just blow where the wind blows me. I go where people tell me to go. I'm just a feather. I don't really stand up for anything. I'm a feather that allows every bad thing that somebody says about me to affect me. 
I heard those people were talking about me and it just ruined my week. I'm a feather. I just go. You know, I talk to people all the time as a feather. We hand me my feather, please. <laughs> that actually took off a whole lot better than I thought it was going to. You know, I have these amazing conversations all the time. People are saying, you know what I mean? Jesus, Buddha. Um, there's so many different ways to enlightenment. And, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, you're right. Because I'm just a feather. No, I'm not a feather. Come on, I, I am a person that is supposed to bring the word of God to situations but this is the deal other people and I was like this I lived like this for a long time man I got saved and I would read a scripture and I would just stand on that scripture and I would look for I would search out people that believe differently than that scripture and so I was like a boxing glove want to give a big shout out to Roy Castillo for giving me a nice set of gloves now I'm gonna get a heavy bag and I'm gonna start I'm gonna start working the bag getting but people treat their Christianity like a hammer or like a boxing glove. They're looking for anybody and everybody that believes differently than what they believe. And then all of a sudden it's like jab, jab, overhand right, hook to the body, hook to the body. There are people that don't have things figured out themselves, but they feel like it is God's call on their life to call out every single sin that other people are walking in and dealing with. But guess what? They don't just call it out. They do so with no wisdom because they don't possess wisdom. This was me. This was me. This was your pastor. Fired up about the things of God, wanting to fight and argue and debate everybody. I'm just telling you, ask me how many people God used me to encourage and draw close to him when I was like that. See, some people, maybe even in this county, these counties may deal with, man, God has called me to address the sin that is in it, but they don't have wisdom. And they hurt people more than they help people. Now, does Jesus just let everything go? No, he addresses. I study how Jesus dealt with people that were even continually setting snares in front. They were setting traps in front of him. He always used wisdom. And he never said anything, come on, that could be used necessarily. Uh, he was careful. He was wise. And we would do ourselves good by being the same. The picture, the true picture of, of, of meekness, it's not a feather. And it's not a boxing glove. The true picture of meekness is, is it's found in a word called surrender. Come on, surrendering to God, surrendering to Jesus and his lordship in our life. I remember the very first time, you can hold that for me. You just put it in your ear if you want. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I remember the very first time I had been preaching. I was a youth pastor for a short period of time. And then I led a, just had started a college and career um, uh, ministry at the church, Valley Church, Valley Pentecostal Church, where we came from. And I remember, I remember um, Pastor Retson coming to me one day and he said, listen, I want you to speak on Sunday. It was the first time I had spoken 
in a large group of people, you know, like this. And, and so, man, I'm prepping for like a month ahead of time. I'm prepping. I'm, I got this great word, you know what I mean, together. And right before the service, my first time speaking to a large group of people, Brother Rutson comes to me and he says, listen, I just want to encourage you, encourage the people, and don't mishandle my pulpit. And there was a whole lot that he was saying. There was a lot that I knew he was saying without him having to say it. First of all, he was saying that these, these and, and I'm, I'm calling this, I'm not saying children in, in light of, of being childish or whatnot. But he was, you know, Pastor Rutzen was like a, like a spiritual parent to all of us. And, and when he, you know, he didn't say it like this, but I knew what he was meaning. He was like, listen, these are not your children. They're mine. And so I immediately had to shift gears because I was going to preach a message where I thought that I was speaking to my children that were not my children. And I'm telling you what, while I was able to keep hold of some of the message, a lot of it just went right out the door in that split second before. And thank God that the Holy Spirit came in and began to give me some direction and some, and some words to speak. Can I just tell you this? There is nothing more powerful than a man or a woman that is being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Meekness. James chapter 1 and verse 21. Got to hurry up. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive, don't demand it, but receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to, able to save your souls. So a few things. How does this happen in my life? Number one, you have to have a repentant heart. Repentant heart is, is it's more than just, God, please forgive me of my sins. It's turning away from what it is that, that got you messed up in the first place, Right? But then also a repentant heart is, it has much to do with, God, please forgive me of my sins, but also I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive those that have sinned against me. Do you know how many people struggle with being able to forgive people that have wounded them, hurt them, done them wrong in life, but yet have no issues receiving the forgiveness of God? I'm telling you what, the church needs some help in this area, and the help is going to come by way of Holy Spirit and the Word of God. All right. Number two is this. We got to have a receptive spirit. Sometimes we approach God, you know what I mean, with hearing aids on. If we don't like what he's saying, we turn him down. But we've got to be a re- we've got to have a receptive spirit. God, what is your spirit saying to my spirit? And let's go. I trust you more than I trust me. Come on, we approach God with our eyes closed. We don't see now and we don't hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And oh, by the way, there might have been so many things that have happened in your life that you now have a hard heart that needs to be dealt with. You've built so many walls because you think you're protecting yourself. You're not protecting anybody. You're hurting yourself, right? And so we've got to approach God with a protective spirit. And I think it's interesting that a, a, a receptive spirit clears the crud of sin. What does it say? Laying aside all filthiness. That, that what? So when we get rid of the filthy garbage in our life and not hold on to it, not make room for it, not saying, man, God's done a great work, but I'm just not ready to give this up. When we remove the filthiness in our life, then we receive. What do we receive? We receive the implanted word of God that is able to change your life. It's the very thing that will give you what it is that you desire to have. 
Amen? Get rid of the filthiness that's in your life. Number three is this, a responsive life. Come on, how, do we, how does this happen? We respond. James says, I don't want to just be a hearer of the word, but I want to be a doer of the word. Do what it is that God reveals to you. Guess what? Don't, I'm giving you permission. Don't do anything that God hasn't revealed to you. When he reveals that you're supposed to do something, then take that thing on. Be led of the spirit of God. Amen? Don't try to fix yourself overnight. The Holy Spirit has the incredible way of working those things out. You need to have a tender heart and have thick skin as a Christian. Sometimes we, we have a tender heart and thin skin. Or we have a hard heart and thin skin. You've got to, you've got to stop standing up for yourself for every stinking thing that does not even matter. There are so many things. Oh, you know. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think about that. I don't even know where that walk came from, but I'm going to use it again. I'm going to line this person out. And then all you come to is that there was a misunderstanding. And you got egg on your face. I don't even know where that came from either. Egg on your face. I never understood that. You're standing there with egg on your face. What? All right. So I'm closing with this. Beautiful attitudes, they come with rewards. They come with re rewards. Meekness has an inheritance, those that are meek will inherit the earth. Number one, when you are meek, you possess unusual security. Come on, everything that is disruptive and, and bothersome you know, to people all around you, people in the world, people that do not have a relationship with God, come on, it doesn't bother you the same. It may not even bother you at all. People will ask you, how in the world are you okay with what it is that you're going through? I got an incredible call last week. I was going to share it last week. But a, a, a brother, Mike Curbs, that goes to this church when he's in town, he's one of them fancy guys that has a home in St. George in the, in the winters. And then he comes and fancy guys. I love Mike. Great golfer. Goes down there and enjoys, enjoys his, his golf and but he called me a while ago, man, maybe, maybe like a year ago. And he said, Pastor Travis, man, I got some bad news. He says, I've got this mass, and, and it wasn't a good mass. It was bad, like cancerous. And, and, and I don't know measurements, but he said, he called me just this last, like a week ago, like not this last Friday, but the, the Friday before. And he said, Pastor Travis, I just want you to know, brother, God is so good. And then he told me the story. So when they first measured the mass, it measured a nine. I don't know what that means. But I know this, that lower numbers are better than higher numbers. And then we prayed. And then the next, you know, maybe five months later, four months, six months, whatever it was, it was a six. So somebody said it's going the right direction. And then he called me back and he said, it's not even a one. Pastor Travis, it's not even a one now listen I just went through my own little near-death experience and he was like but even if it wasn't we know who who holds our tomorrow don't we pass I'm like you preach it Mike you preach it Mike come on how awesome is it that death is not worrisome oh death where is your sting I'm telling you I have been personally 
recently to the threshold of dying and had no worries about it. How can somebody live if they're not so consumed about dying? There are so many people that can't even live the life that they're given because they're fighting for, for man, I just don't wanna die. I don't wanna, you're gonna die. Well, I feel so good coming here this morning. <laughs> you're going to die. I'm gonna die. Why are we gonna consume ourselves? with holding on to life so much that we can't even enjoy it, right? I'm telling you, you, you give me somebody that is not worried about death, and that is somebody that is gonna make the most of the days that they're given. I, I wish everybody could have a near-death experience, honestly, because this is what I can tell you, and I've said it before, I will get to the end of my life because of this, this potential transitional crossing over with fewer regrets than, than, than I would had it not had happened, right? I'm living more intentional because I can enjoy my days a little bit more. Amen. So God is in control and I want to be a reminder to you that the life over there in heaven is a whole lot longer than the life here and it's a whole lot better than this life here and that is not some facade it's not some pie in the sky it is the word of god and if you believe god's word then you should celebrate even the loved ones that we have lost and they are in christ you should just celebrate the fact that they're in a, a wonderful wonderful place number two is this you have an elevated perspective. I will not be baited into reckless debate. No more emotional roller coasters for me. I am confident and I will live purposefully. I am called by God and I will not be distracted. I love people watching. I gotta say this real quick because these guys are up there. They're ready to go. There's no better place to people watch than at the airport. I remember, I believe this was my trip going over to my first leg of my trip going to Africa, I was on the plane, I was thinking, man, I've scored. I got, you know, there's, there's, there's two guys and we got three seats. Two guys and three, we got some space and I'm celebrating. Then there's the late lady that comes walking in. Doot, doot. I'm like, she's coming here, she's coming here. Sure enough, man, she's the last one on the plane. She gets to where we are and she opens up she opens up the bin right up above where her seat is. The bin's full. She's like, oh, disgusted. She goes to the next bin. She opens, and, and it's full. She goes to the next one, and it's full. And she's, she is ramping up, man. She is geared up. She's this always happens to me. Just mad. I'm like, you're going to get yourself kicked off here. Maybe somebody else with you do. Just like, listen. I, so I take my backpack that's up above and I take it and I'm like, listen, I can, I can ride with this right up under my seat. I was just wanting a little extra comfortability, you know, and I slide it up and I'm like, listen, there's some space. And she sits down and she's like, you know what I mean? She starts to calm down and she's dealing with sickness in her family. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back. And you've all been there. But what was interesting is, man, she just, she just started experiencing 
a little bit more peace. And what I found is there were still passengers that were mad at her by the time we got off of the first leg of the flight. So she moved on. She was fine. But other people were bent out of shape. I can't believe she was just throwing that kind of fit. Da, 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 da. Life with Jesus creates stability to those around you. You have to have an elevated perspective. Last thing is this, you can truly enjoy God's creation. Blessed, the Bible says, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Come on, you're not so caught up. I was really asking God, why meek and earth? Why meek and the, and the earth? I don't get it. I don't get what the, what the connection is. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I just came to this, and I don't know if it's proper, but there are people that are so caught up in life, so busy and so fighting for place and position and whatnot that they can't even enjoy the beautiful creation and the earth, come on, that, that, has been, that has been given to us. Come on, nature cries out for his glory. It shows how glorious and amazing this God is that we serve. Meekness is the abiding place for God's provision. What is it if, you, if we come to a place, am I saying stop working hard? No, work hard. But if you're working 12 hours a day, you know what I'm saying? And, and maybe you just get joy in work and that's okay. But if you're missing out on things that are eternal, things that really matter because you're just working so much, I'm telling you, I think you're missing it. If you're so busy that you can't even get away with your family from time to time and go on a motorcycle ride or go fishing or hunting or go on vacation, you know what I mean? Go for a hike in the woods, go camping, just tent camping, then you're missing it. You're missing it. And there are people that are so caught up in chasing something that they think is going to give them fulfillment and happiness only to get there and, see, and, and, and come to a, where they've leveraged everything that matters to get this one thing that now they realize it doesn't matter. And I'm just saying, let's not live that way. I surrender and God provides according to his riches and glory. Why? Because he says he will. In the world where the world lives bound, we live free. And so God, help us to see that there's strength in meekness. We're gonna worship just real quick, but I just wanna give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here and, and God's you know, brought you here and has been doing the work in your life, but if you were to ask, be asked the question, you know, am I saved? What does that mean? I don't even really know what that means. Am I going to heaven? Do I know I'm going to heaven? Am I in right relationship? with the Lord and, and, and you, there's a question mark wherever that is. I want you to know this, that the Bible is so clear and it's so simple, so simple that a child can understand it, right? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And it's not just a simple prayer up here that saves you. It is a, an identification of who you are without God and recognizing what it is that he has done for you and what he wants to do with the entirety, the rest of your life, and you come to that place of surrender. God, my life is not my own. So it's not the prayer that saves you, it is the life that's lived for God and, and in step with God. You can't give enough money, you can't serve enough, you can't be good enough. You can't try enough. It is only by the cross of Jesus Christ 
that you are saved. And so I'm telling you this morning that if you've got shame and regrets, even that shame and regrets is used, it's, it, it's to bring you to a place of surrender because in Christ Jesus, there is no shame, right? I'm so grateful for that, but he'll use it to bring you to a place of saying, God, I need you. So if you're here this morning and you just wanna receive Jesus and know that, listen, there's a whole lot more time past this life that God has planned for me than this life, I just wanna give you the opportunity to respond, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you would like to give your heart to Jesus this morning, repenting of your sins, just raise your hand just real quick. Is there anybody right here? Thank you, man. I am so happy. I am so happy. We had beautiful conversation the other night. Praise the Lord, man. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? All, all, all the way up here, a couple of you guys. Thank you so much for making that decision. Is there anybody else this morning? Awesome, right over here, right here. Thank you, sir. Best decision you can ever make in, in the entirety of your life. Now listen, we're gonna pray a prayer. The prayer is meaningful and it's powerful, but what matters is just trusting God every single day. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Lord, what are we gonna do today? And I'm open for you to change my way, change my life. My life belongs to you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet just real quick. We're all gonna pray this simple prayer, amen. So please, everybody repeat after me, and this is for those that made that decision. God, I trust you with my whole heart. And I receive you with all of my being. I believe that you are the only begotten of the Father, Jesus, and that you lived a perfect life and that you died on a cross for me. You said that anybody that believes in me, talking about Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. This moment, I say out of my own mouth, I believe in you. Not only do I believe in you, but I receive you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and all my shortcomings. I ask you to come into my life. Give me your spirit. Change me and make me new. I surrender my life to you. That means it doesn't belong to me anymore. It is yours. And I pray that you will use it just like a racehorse is broken and trained. You will use it for purpose. God, let my life count and let it be valuable to you and others. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer and you don't have a Bible, please come see me. I'll get you a Bible. And um, I also have a fresh start book that I'd like to give you personally. And I just want to say we love you and uh, welcome to the family of God. Amen. All right, let's worship. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.